and so okay go ahead right. jonathan okay so um we were having a discussion before the recording um and uh they said this should be on the recording so i guess i'm going to share it but i was thinking about a time in my life i was um it was an early time i was um I was newly married and I was um, working a job and um, I stayed at that job for six, almost six years. And near the end, I, I started becoming bitter about certain things and angry and resentful. And, um, and I could tell it wasn't the right spirit, but, um, but I didn't quite know how to get past it. And, um, I was thinking about the, that this last week, and um, and I remember there was a time when God conveyed to me, like you know, years after that, he he said, um, "You don't realize what you were toying with during that period in your life. Like that spirit is um, not a good spirit." And this last week, I watched this near death experience. Listened to this lady talk about she was shown hell, and. Um, and it was that very spirit that kept people there. It's it's the the thing of n not love, right? So it's like it's the like God is all about love, but it's like you cut yourself off from God in that spirit of like, like I have you know I I have a resentment, I I have something, this thing I I you know it's like I I you know I don't want that forgiveness spirit that love spirit because i've got i've got a bone to chew a you know a chip on my shoulder and anger that i just can't let go of and um you know i was able to kind of pull out of that um but i was just thinking to myself how many times in my life have i almost thrown away christ it's like and and could my life what could my life look like if i had chosen to stay in certain places that I've been at different times in my life. So I don't know what you guys, what thoughts you guys have about that, but that's probably a good place to start. I, the, uh, and the last thought I'll say is just, um, it, there's a scripture that says that not that in that in that last day that, um, one alone will be exalted. And that strikes me because I'm, I'm struck by how, inherently flawed we all are and um and in need of christ um so anyways i'll pass it back barely um jonathan and i i'll give a different recap um before we came on, um, I was responding to Jonathan. He had a moment this last week where he said, I'm barely holding on. And that is a feeling that a lot of people have every day. I'm just barely holding on. And sometimes it's more or less intense. But um, I was glad to spend some time with him uh, and have that kind of in my mind so when I came this morning um that kind of stood out because I said how you doing and he says doing better 
And so I haven't revealed anything about you, Jonathan. I was hesitant to say anything, but I think everybody knows you're just barely hanging on, that I'm just barely hanging on, and Emily's just barely hanging on. And that's what this show's about. It's called Jesus in This Mess. Otherwise, it would be Jesus in a nice, tight, orderly place where everything's going good. And we'd probably be reading from a transcript that's rolling in front of our eyes. So it makes sure that everything's correlated between the three of us and that no one gets disturbed by having to look at what a mess these three Christians are. Um, and so, yes, three Christians who often are barely hanging on. Sometimes we're like, oh, I think I'm doing more than just barely hanging on. But what I was bringing to Jonathan's attention um, is going to be put on a shirt. Because right before this episode, Jesus took my finger and he dipped it in blue paint. And then he started writing on this beautiful white shirt that he had got me. And I've been waiting for this, waiting and waiting. It's probably been a month or month and a half. And then this morning, yeah, my fingers started going for the paint and I got the J put in there. And so now I know what I'm also going to write, having talked with Jonathan, because when I came and thought about his string, this you know metaphor, barely hanging on, I thought about the nature of God. Um, and I'll tell you what this shirt's going to have, and then I'll share you the truth that has to, to do with the word barely. On this shirt... It's going to say, Jesus is invisible. On the backside, it's going to say, I think it's going to say this. Jesus might change it by the time I get out there. On the back, it's going to say, Jesus talks very soft or something like that. Those are the two problems I have with Jesus. Jesus, like, you got any problems with me, Jesus? Every relationship, if you, don't, if you have a real relationship, all right, whether it be with a God or a human, you're going to have problems. Now, you can overlook those and go bear your testimony and say, I've never yelled at my wife, not once. And your wife can go, I've never, we've never had crosswords. Well, then I know something about that couple. One, they're either lying or probably more likely, number two, when they start headed towards a fight, somebody leaves and doesn't come back until there's a sign in the window, I'm good. Um, but that's my belief. Maybe there are some couples. Um, maybe life's not like um, I'm imagining. Um, but your relationship with God is going to have some things that you don't like about him. <laughs> You're like, what? That's what sin is. What do you think sin is? We all don't like stuff Jesus wants us to do. Otherwise, we just all just do exactly what Jesus wants us to do. No, we have relationship problems. And part of those are what Jonathan said, because we're human. We're like little kids. Well, I want this, and I want it now. I, you said ask, I asked, and I didn't get it. So that, that shirt um, made me think of the, the thread. I'm just barely hanging on. Well, part of the nature of God, in addition to being invisible, number two, not talking very loud, when he saves people, because he, he's big into saving people, like Goliath, and, uh, no, David, <laughs> and the children of Israel. Um, if you go to the Book of Mormon, it's really pronounced that these people who are righteous, they're called the Nephites. When they fight wars, they barely win. I mean, and yet they're righteous. They're called by God. But if you watch and you read 
that book, you're going to go, whoa, even if you're really big on God, it's like dramatically, are they going to make it? Uh, are the good guys going to win? Which makes a good book. You think, well, they're just putting that in there to make it exciting. But anyone who's walked with God long enough knows, no, that is kind of what it is, that oftentimes God just barely saves us. So that's what's going to go on the shirt. Um, long story short, is I'm going to write the word somewhere, and it might be with a Sharpie pen, barely. And it may say it many times. I don't know. Because um, like Emily, I'm an artist. I don't know where it goes. Uh, like Emily, I'm going to paint with my fingers um, because God uses my finger to paint. Um, let's see. So that, at least for me, was the important recap. But I'm painting a shirt with Jesus, so he wanted me to capture that. Um, but I think it's a good thing um, for us to uh, discuss, keep in mind, we don't have to discuss it. I'm like, Hey, Jesus, I could just be quiet on this episode and let Emily and Jonathan talk. And that didn't happen. Okay. So maybe somebody out there is like, yeah, it just seems like I'm barely hanging on. <laughs> and I'd like, Oh, don't worry. That's when God really wants to do a big work in your life. You'll get down to like a thread. You're like, I could literally die. Oh, now he can literally help you. What? I have to get down. Yeah. And so that's that's what I, and I'm, of course, that's because I'm called as a doula and midwife approximation to help people who are being born again, like me, um, and coach these people through and go, when they say, and it's not just Jonathan, my wife said it many times, I'm just barely hanging on. I don't know if I can go on any longer. <laughs> and and yet, every day, picks up that hand cart, goes another 10 miles using a pair of Pioneer. And so so does Jonathan. And then we, we hear one day, oh, yeah, Jonathan passed away. Well, guess what? He couldn't go on any longer. And you know why? Because Jesus cut the thread. Jonathan didn't cut that thread. Jesus has a number up in heaven. And it's your, it's your birthday. You get birthed back into heaven. And you don't get to go any sooner. I mean, I suppose if you get crazy, you just cut your own cord. But Jonathan's not into that, I don't think. Um, I hope not. But I don't hope that for any of my friends. But barely is the Christian way. Now, God, I, I will say, God loves to sometimes overwhelmingly win. Just like, and so that you're going to see in the last days some overwhelming, like, boom. But is that how most uh, basketball games are won. If you guys watch basketball, you don't know who's going to win until like the last tenth of a second. I mean, literally like sometimes one second's left on the clock and the other team can lose because these guys are that skilled. And if, if Jesus was running that basketball game, that that's a parable for our time because, yeah, um, and I guess it's true with all kinds of sports. We're used to that. And I Jesus uses that. Jesus likes to hop people up because that's when he can work with them. Help me, Jesus. I'm on the last thread. I know I'm going to die. But what would be bad about that? Quit talking like that, Jesus. Just help me. And anyhow, there you go. That's where Barely's coming in. Jonathan, that was a long recap that we did not talk about. But did that adequately recap? That was my recap.
I was thinking a lot about that um, with Barely, and I think it all, you know, it all comes down again to that that rock bottom, and yeah, I've just, I mean, today I'm mostly just going to be listening, but I, I was reading recently in uh, one of my favorite books, The Language of Letting Go, because um, that's where I struggle, but it's by Melody Beatty, I think is how you say her name, B-E-A-T-E-I-E. Anyways, it's like, it's been like, I've been reading this book for, I don't know, probably like four or five years. It's not like it has every day. It has like, it's pretty much like her daily conversations with God. I'd be surprised if I haven't talked about it on here yet. I think I probably have. Anyways, I don't read it every day. I just kind of, uh, I just keep reading it over and over again. And um, the thing that I read uh, the last couple of days was just, um, just the whole idea that we can't force others to come to Jesus and to come to Christ. And it's, you know, learning, you can't force somebody to learn or to change or to do anything like that. And the whole point is all you can do is, is, uh, take care of you and you have to. So for me, the hardest part is to let go of others. And like, I can't control their choices and their situations, even though I think I know what's better. <laughs> and I say like, I think I know, but like, I really think I know. Like, I, I really, it's a problem I have. I really think I always know the right answer. And it's, it's definitely a problem. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but what I've just been, you know, and so I guess it just comes down to, it's just letting go and, uh, you know, trusting in God and then trying to, you know, trust in God, even within the busyness of life, um, you know, and yeah, so that's just kind of what's been on my thoughts. Um, but mostly today, I just want to listen. I, I was saying earlier, I really want to hear, I think when we're talking about trusting in God, um, we can really dive back into that story we started with Jonathan a couple of weeks ago. I think we just got to the point where he was like, I'm going to be homeless. And he goes to Salt Lake. And I'm pretty sure that's about where we ended. And so that's something like I know that he couldn't work. And, and so that, anyways, I just want to finish that story. I feel like I'm I've been hanging here for a while. So, yeah. So I'm mostly just going to listen because I just want to hear that. Yeah, and, and I'll make a comment before that. I felt like I was getting in the way of that conversation. I'm like, I think Emily really wants to hear Jonathan's story. Then my mouth starts moving. Um, that's why I was, I was going to be quiet. So, Jonathan, you got the rest of the time. If you want comments, you have to tell me because I'm turning off, the, uh, turning off my mic. So you're just going to be all alone, a lone man in the wilderness. Go all right. Um, well, I'll I'll just kind of monologue until unless I have something that I I want to ask comments for for a little bit. Anyways, I'll talk. So, um, so yeah. So it's kind of interesting because um, in some ways, you know, I kind of wonder if it's like um, uh, I I wonder if you could say in a sense that. I became homeless at that time. Um, in another way, you might have said that I I I uh, I was homeless before that, um, and I think in a way you could say that I've been homeless ever since, even though I've been in a home now and then. Um, and I kind of wonder if I'll spend the rest of my life homeless, wandering from place to place. Um, in fact, I, I don't really wonder. I'm I'm pretty certain this is my this is my calling in life. Um, 
is to uh, I wrote a poem recently about being on the street um, and that that's my place. I remember there was a day in one of my homeless journeys um, where I I and I was traveling with family. Um, it was kind of harrowing, and I remember just crying out to God, you know, where is my home? And um, and I was checking out at the checkout aisle. We were in South Dakota. It was cold. We'd spent the night in our van. And um, and I remember when we came to that town, I felt specifically prompted to go to the hotels and ask them if they would let us stay for the night, even though I was completely out of money. And um, And I remember, I've had several times like this where I'm like, oh God, really? Like, they're not going to say yes. It's a hotel. You pay to stay, you know? And the really, the only problem was we had arrived at the place where we were going. It was a friend's, a friend lived in the town, but we arrived so late and I told him we wouldn't be there till the next day. And so we arrived so late that I, I just didn't dare call him in the middle of the night and rouse his family and everything since, since we told him we wouldn't be there till the next day. But I had felt impressed to press on and to arrive um, to arrive early. And so I obeyed. I just obeyed the prompting. And then we get to town and, and I have this specific impression. I want you to go around to the hotels in town and ask them if you can stay. Oh, just a second. You guys, can you guys talk for just a minute? I've got a break for a second. I gotta go take care of something. And I'm glad it's Jesus interrupting and not me. I'm okay with silence. I have a hard time with silence, as you may or may not know. So right now, I'll explain what I'm doing. This is a side note. So I know my life is messy. I mean, you can see the room I'm in, and it's it's in a mess because Greg needs to come help me fix it. And finish it. Yep, Anson. Right now, it's my. Yep, you and Anson. So it's like right now, it's my pseudo office, and it's it's destroyed in here, like more than usual. So what am I doing? I am making like super organization for all of my drawers and like like my kitchen drawers. I'm making custom containers that fit exactly to my drawers and have compartments for everything. That's what I'm working on because I can't handle the lack of organization and there's just tools and stuff everywhere. So I'm like, we are going to compartmentalize everything. So uh, that's my goal right now. And uh. So I'm laser engraving. I've measured what I need down to the millimeter, and we're gonna see if we can uh, get this missing a magnet. And then to further do that, to further organize, I'll probably start 3D printing something here too. <laughs> a little thing nice. to like organize. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm not Jesus painting today because, like, literally, I have nowhere to do it. Like, and I don't, we talked about being uh, kind of at the bottom. I 
I don't feel that amazing today, so I just need to sit down. I'm pretty lightheaded. And uh, so I was like, what can I do? I can sit down. But like, if I look, if I show you my space in here, let me show you my mess. Just because. So look, I literally have nowhere to put anything. Look at this. I can't even see what I'm showing you. It's so messy. Yeah. I have like, oh, I could maybe do like a, a three inch thing right there. This whole room. Out of control. Out of control. Back. Okay. Turn it back to Jonathan. Yes. Let's hear the story. Okay. So, anyways, I have this impression when I get to town. It's in this little town in South Dakota. Now, now the thing is, is like, I had avoided this trip for eight months. So we had begun our, our journey, our uh, kind of RV life, you could call it. I bought a, um, uh, I bought a trailer for $175. It was all I could afford. And um, the tires went out and everything happened on this journey. Um, it led through California and then out to South Dakota. And um, so I was so scared to go um, the first time from California to South Dakota. I was commanded to go, commanded, you could say commanded. I I had a prompting to go just as we were heading into winter. And I, and I, I had this little trailer that didn't even have proper insulation. And um, and I I wasn't used to this idea of always being caught by God and that He would prepare a place ahead of me. It was all new to me, and so it was like, oh my gosh! So here we go, and we're leaving on this trip. And um, or sorry, the first time I I wouldn't go. We ended up staying um, for like eight months in California, and I was told at the at that time. Uh, what year was this? What year was this? Um, I'm trying to think about this. This would have been about probably four years ago. Um, I, I knew you, Greg. Um, I remember talking to you before I left um, on the first journey. It wasn't the journey where I took the that motorhome that was ha was built on the old international pickup. It was the one before that. It was the first one that I took with... with um, family and loved ones with me. Anyway, so there was this trip out to California and um and there there basically I, I when I didn't go the first time, I had this um knowing that came that if you don't go now, it's gonna be a lot harder. And it was. <laughs> it was pretty harrowing when we actually left California yeah. for South Dakota. Thank you. Um and so anyways, so now we're heading out, but it's still, the winter has passed, but it's still very cold in South Dakota. Um, if I'm remembering this, well, I remember it was cold. I just, I think it was, it, I yeah, it was, it was in the spring. So, but it was, still was not spring in South Dakota. It was still very cold. And um, so we get there and, and really, I just need a place to stay for the night until I can go to my friends in the morning. And, um, and so I have this impression before I go to bed that we should, um, that I should go to the hotels in town and ask them if they'll let us stay for free. And, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself and I'm kind of arguing with God, like, okay, well, God, 
you know they're going to say no. It's a hotel. Like they are in the business of giving people a place to stay for a night. And what I for the night and what I felt impressed was tell them your situation. Tell them I have a family. I you know, I just need a warm place for us for the night and I don't have the money. Can you please um can you please give us a place to stay? And part of the struggle is, you know, I could have even maybe normally said like, um, you know, I'll pay you back later. You know, I'll get a job and pay you back later. But I was still in this phase. So like, like um, I had begun to have this strange set of health problems wherein I am um, unable to, I, I would be randomly unable to work. Like I, I, um, and it, it didn't really start in earnest until my second trip. Um, but, but I'd gotten to this point where I didn't dare promise anybody anything. It was like, cause I never quite knew when my body would cooperate with, um, with working. And so, um, long story short, I went into these hotels to ask, and I remember I had this impression, this clear knowledge, like, like kind of like God was like, I know they're going to say no, but it was kind of this feeling, this strange thing, like, like, um, this is meant to be, this is kind of your calling, right? Um, is it's like, you know, and I was reminded of, um, of this scripture um trying to remember exactly what the scripture was um but it's the one where um it's like um kind of like um well there's this idea in the scriptures about um just a second Emily I'll get out in just a second um so there's this 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 idea in the scriptures about like kind of like we're tested. Like there's this idea that one day in our lives, there's going to be somebody along the road that's going to actually need us, you know? And it's, oh, and there's, there's this thing like, you know, it says, you know, who will come unto me in the last day? And is all them that say, not all of them say that Lord, Lord. And, and, um, and those who are, are allowed in, it's like, well, well, who is that? It's like, well, when you know when i was sick you visited me when i was hungry you clothed me when i was and i remember like this was one of the first times god kind of conveyed to me like yeah that's what i want you to do john i want you to be that guy on the corner of the street who says please help me it's like and what people decide will determine what will happen next like like and i was like really <laughs> you're serious okay so okay and so i went into these hotels i'm totally embarrassed you know like um can you please give us a place to stay for the night but i don't have any money you know but i have a family and etc cetera, etc cetera. and kind of this knowing that it was like it was my job to do this and and so long story short the next morning i do it and of course they say no and we parked in a um we parked in a um, a vacant lot next to the hotel for the night. And I could give the details of, of how that night went, but, you know, 
we still had gas in the car. So like when it would start to get really cold, I would turn on the car and warm it up. And, um, and we just made it through the night. Right. And, um, and the next morning I had this distinct impression. We went and got gas and, um, we didn't get gas. I didn't have any money. Why did we, I remember going to a gas station for some reason. Um, Anyways, we went to this gas station, Ow. and I had this clear knowing, there's nobody here in this town. You're okay. There's nobody here in this town to um, to receive your message. And I was like, oh. okay, I'm going to have to take another break, guys. I'll be right back. And so we wait on pins and needles. Yeah. Goes to the town. Nobody will help him. Yep. And I can't even imagine um how hard that would be. I know that I would never have the courage to even go talk to the hotel. Yeah, there's some people that would rather die. Um and I mean literally, um, then ask for charity. That's kind of on the extreme end, but there are people who, um, and in fact, I think a lot of them will die. What's coming? Um, it there is a point at which humans will go. Uh, I can't do that. I'd rather die. And sometimes you think seriously, you'd rather die than have somebody see a messy house. <laughs> and they're like, literally. Now that's way extreme, and there's it'll be somebody if you can't imagine somebody doing that, but no, it's absolutely true. There's people who kill themselves for less my my spouse said I'm ugly, and they really take their lives and you say oh that's that's some mental illness going on well, hello, um mental illness is widespread, but um there's people for instance <clears throat> who would die rather than have to eat bugs. Like, okay, you're down to the last thing that you can eat is, um, and we got a bunch of grasshoppers. I thought of this yesterday. And it's okay if you want to die instead of eating bugs, at least in my values. Like, no, you're asking too much of these, this family. Now, would I eat bugs? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'd be cooking them up. I've eaten bugs. Uh, and, and I mentioned this because of this UN thing or whatever, and, and conspiracy and conservatives are saying, they want us to eat bugs, stop eating meat to save the planet. And I think it's funny. Um, it's like, uh, you know, that's that's separate of this. This is like, when have you re reached your threshold? And that's different for every person. It's like, seriously, you can have fed, fed your family some worms and saved them, but you said, no, no human should have to do this. Um, and what about if you're an Auschwitz? Yeah, if they had bugs, they would have. Most of them would have eaten. Most of them, I said. Some of them would have died instead. So that's always interesting to think about people's threshold for what they would do to save life. Now, when you talk about to save face, and that's oftentimes what it is. I do not want to be known. I don't want to even know myself as a person who would eat bugs or. Um, yep. So, but I. I honor that um, more than most people would. I honor that there's thresholds. There's some people who say, 
I'd rather die than eat vegetarian. I'd go, well, I, you mean that literally? Yeah, if I can't eat meat, life's not worth living. And God should not require that. But I can't go there with them. I think, well, that's kind of immoral. But when it comes to bugs, like, oh, no. Yeah, you don't have to eat bugs. Go ahead. Okay, Jonathan, we were just talking about, Emily had mentioned that what you did is there would be extremely hard for her to do, ask to use uh, somebody's hotel without money. And I just then started jamming on that all people have their different thresholds uh, on things. And some people would rather die and literally will die instead of eat bugs. I'm not one of them. I'd, I'd eat bugs, but I've eaten them before and I, I have a different constitution. But, but if you say, what about maggots? You know what? Not hungry. Greg, you're going to die. Yeah, I'm not going to eat maggots. Well, maggots are just like bugs. Yeah, I'm just not going to do it. And so I would die and then say, yep, everybody has their threshold. So Jonathan can do amazing things that others would find amazing. Not me. I can ask for a lot of stuff. Like they can always say no, but I'm trained a different way as well. Go ahead, Jonathan. Oh, I'm trying to find a place with good reception in this house. Um, come up, Joey. So, um, I'm on, not on mute. I'm good. Okay. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things, to be honest, I didn't handle it well either, like at all. Like, this whole journey was very harrowing. It took a long time for me. I mean, talk, I'm talking years for me to embrace this thing. And it's like... We were talking about last time, I realized like, we were saying it's like, well, man, you know, it's like, you just came to this really low place when you first went to the homeless shelters. And I was like, well, that wasn't quite accurate. Because the problem was, it wasn't like, you know, like, you know how things go bad and worse and worse and worse, and then you end up in a bad place. It wasn't really like that. The thing that was so freaking weird and that was just is so hard to accept was that I went to the homeless shelter because I felt that that was what God wanted me to do. And so there's this crazy, weird, like, like, you know, this is the sort of thing that if you have a loved one who says, God wants me to do this, that you look at them and you say, are you sure that's God? <laughs> it's like, are you sure? Because that doesn't sound like what God would ask someone to do. And so like the, the whole way in this journey I've been on has been one of me doing that with myself. Like Jonathan, you know, half of me saying, it's like, I know this voice. I know this voice. And it's like, and the other half of me being, being like, that can't be the right thing to do. But, but you know, it was like in, in many of the instances, as I, as I made my way along, I just, I, I didn't know what else to do, but to obey. Cause I knew the voice. So like this night, you know, it's like, you're saying how hard it would be. The truth is, is that I'd been along quite a journey by the time I had, um, I had come to that night. And so it's kind of like, this is crazy. You know, I knew the voice. Um, and so I obeyed. Um, I'm going to try to go out here on the porch and get this thing to open. I can't. Oh, wow. Sorry, I got to be in here for a minute. I can only get reception in here. Um, all right. So this is where I got to slow. 
And you got about and you got about fifteen minutes, so keep in mind that so Emily can get her whole story. Okay, so all right, well, and so you know, this won't be the whole story. The story it, it'll come out over time. It's it's quite a long story, um, and it's still evolving. So, but the point being is this: is so that that night it just happened, right? So I just there was like two hotels in town, and I went to them and I I I asked, and they said no, and then we spent the night. Turn on the car now and then, kept warm. And the next next morning, we were at my friend's house. And um, and so we were all okay. We got through it just fine. But the next morning, um, I remember at the time, I um, I had been in California just before this, and I I had um, I'd felt impressed to apply for food stamps. And so we'd had, well, I had a little bit of money on, on some food, a food stamps card. And um, I went and got some groceries that next morning. It's okay. Come here, Joey. Um, so the next morning, we we um, we got some groceries, and I'm checking out, and I'm just praying this heartfelt prayer again. God, where is there a home for us? You know, and my hope in all, my, many of these journeys was like, I'm looking for a home. I'm looking for a place, right? And so the next morning, I'm praying like, God, where is there a home for us? And and the answer came as I was about to check out peace just kind of flooded over me and gratitude and a, a feeling and a clarity. And, and the, um, and the answer was your home is on the road. And, and I remember at the time it was one of those moments of just like, so here I've been, I've just been on this harrowing journey, which I haven't even told you some of the details of what happened to get from California to South Dakota, much less the details of what it took to get to California. It, you know, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But the, the thing with miracles, everybody likes the idea of miracles, but you don't realize that miracles don't come unless you need them. Are you kind of following me? It's like, it's like, you know, it's like, unless you're in a harrowing circumstance, unless there's a Goliath, unless there's a big fish that swallowed you and you're at the bottom of the ocean, unless, you know, it's like, you, you've got it, you've got it handled. And God realizes that it's like, you know, it's like, well, you know, you got the money to pay the mortgage payment. So it's like, it's like, I'm not going to send you, you know, and so it's like, it's like, but I had thrown myself, it's like, okay, I'm going to do these things that God's asking me to do. And then it's like, it's like, wait a second, everything he's asking me to do is putting me in danger, you know? And again, that thought that goes through your mind, could this, this can't be God. <laughs> but then as you're put into danger, then comes what? Divine deliverance, right? So it's like, I don't think that the children of Israel would have been saved and the Red Sea would have parted unless God had told them and prompted them and led them on the journey that took them to the Red Sea with the with the Egypt Egyptians coming behind them. It's like it's like it only works when it really is, you know, the God of heaven that is is prompting you to do these things. But what I can attest to is that if you follow that voice, divine deliverance comes. So the next morning I'm told that you're your home is on the road. And so it's a strange, I've actually kind of settled into it now. It's like, I'm at peace with it. And I've seen so many miracles that it's like, it's like, um, I have, I, it, oh, I could tell you, I could tell you, but it, it's like, you know, some of it's private, I can't say, but some of it, 
uh, you know, some of it will come out as time goes on, but I'm, I'm really amazed you guys, like, like if I have this feeling, like if people understood how this works, like they would not go in for Babylon's model at all, because this works like, and you don't have to fret. It's like, it's like you are provided for. And yes, you may have to, you know, you, you may not have that stability that the world has where you feel like, oh, you know, I know where I'm going to be tomorrow. No, you don't quite know where you're going to be tomorrow. And most of the time, it's not like you're, you're being called to move every day. You know what I mean? It's like you may be somewhere for a couple of years, but it's like, but you know, I remember uh, Greg's friend, Lyman Compton said once he had lost a home. And God was prompting him to buy uh, an ex what was an expensive home at the time. I think it was 180000 And it's like, we laugh at that now. You know, it's like, that's not an expensive home anymore. You know, but at the time, it was very expensive. And he was, he was praying about it. And he was like, you know, what? You know, God, I just, you know, I don't want to get back in that situation. And what God said to him was, it's temporary. And I wonder if the thing that we don't realize, the thing, the reality that it has always been, is that all of our security that we think we have is temporary. And I have the feeling that what God's been bringing me to, really, this idea of homelessness, is that is that it's temporary. Housing, all the comforts of life, it's like, it's like it, it it's maintained by the fact that we can be in the right place at the right time and that we're willing to move. It's like, it's like Greg said this, you know, it's like, what if the Jews could have known before, just before, you know, Hitler went on his rampage? It's like, hey, it's time to move. I think there would have been some that would have still said, but I have no assurance that this voice that's prompting me will lead me to another home. And I've, I've put down my stakes here. So it's this strange security. So I, I think th this is, I'll, I'll make this the end, I think, of, of this part of, of sharing my journey is that it's like, here's the surprising thing is that I could say that that day when I went to the homeless shelter was the beginning of my homelessness. The other thing that I could say is that that day was the beginning of me having a home that nobody can take away. I have a home that nobody can take away. Now, I have to move now and then to maintain that home. Does that make sense? I, I, I'll share another time, you know, what happened with the homeless shelter. What that turned into was an apartment that was basically free, free rent, free utilities, a place for me to stay for two years. That's what that turned into. And it came two weeks after I went to the homeless shelter. But it came because I was willing to follow the prompting that said, it's time to move. It's like Israelites, right? The cloud moves, the, the pillar of fire moves, and you move. So um, I'll pass it back with that for any thoughts. I, I know we probably are getting low on time, so... We still got time. We got seven minutes. But if you want to stop there, that's fine. Um, in fact, that's what that that's what uh, stood out to me. Um, that this is not a small part of your life, um, and just even how you talked about it, like 
it's like this huge thing um, that that needs to be said. And I think that's fine. In fact, what I'd suggest you do is you can do some videos that you could send where people could watch that, tell the whole story. I mean, I don't mind if this turns into the homeless thing, because I'd, I'd like um, for Emily to hear everything she wants to hear. I've I've heard some of these stories and I love what you're talking about. Uh, and I'm okay with having week after week, this could be about that topic. Uh, I don't care. I just give it up to, to Christ, whatever he wants it to be. Um, but I, I love the theme um, because there's a lot of people who are going to be what we call quoting unquote homeless, according to what Jesus tells me. And what he's told most everyone in their heart, but they just don't like to hear it. Uh, there's going to be a big economic calamity. I've never met a person who doesn't know that. Uh, of course, I only talk to adults. I bet there's some kids like, I didn't know that. <laughs> but I just talked to adults. They all know that we're going to have an anomaly, an ahistorical, like the fall of Greece or whatever. There's going to be a huge thing. And it's going to be like the Great Depression, what Jesus told me. Um, it's actually going to be like Venezuela is what he literally told me, um, like Venezuela. And a lot of people don't have their eye. They don't know what happened in Venezuela. Doesn't matter. Um, they'll soon see it. Um, and it won't hit everybody because in Venezuela, there's really rich people, very few. <laughs> but that, that's because they were stocking money aside. They had, I don't know, maybe like the Biden family. Somehow, magically, they got... 17 million or 50 million uh, selling their art or whatever. Uh, in this case, it was usually oil. Um, and so that's fine. God allows it. God permits it, whatever. Um, and that's what's, what's coming down. So I like the topic of homelessness because it's very relevant to, and it's going to be very messy. So Jesus in this mess. So that's, that's some of my thoughts, Jonathan. I want to honor your experience is awesome, and I'm glad to be your friend because um, I'm friends with a lot of homeless people, and I am technically homeless myself, but that would be a government technical. If somebody looked at my life like, you're not homeless. I'd be like, you want me to prove it? I can, I can prove it using Google and what the definitions of the government are. They'd say, okay, well, technically you are. Right, and you know what? The people living up in Salt Lake or in San Francisco who have a tent, I'd say technically they're not homeless. Look, the, they have what the Native Americans here 200 years ago visit San Pete County, and you would say these Native Americans are homeless, right? Well, no, it's just a different culture. So anyways, I love thinking about that, but I love more how it's resolved in Christ. So I like your story. So I don't, I don't want to discourage it, but I also more, more so want to encourage it that you capture it when you have time and you can actually make sure that you... You say, I'm going to say this and this. So that, so I think there's some people who are soon to be homeless and you're giving them a framework to see it. So that's my thought. Yeah, that could work. I also like continuing this story every Sunday. I like it. It gives me a lot to think about. Um, you know, thinking about a time of ever being homeless is, that's terrifying to me. I love my house and all my cool equipment and projects. I like stuff. <laughs> that's hard to think about. But I think we got to wrap up now. Um, 
Well, I'll just finish up just to say, you know, it's um, it's really made me it's really made me think. It's like I, I almost feel like my message is for a time that's coming. Um, it's like you know, most of the time, if someone finds themselves homeless. It's usually because of some sort of struggle inside the mind, or um, or some struggles with with substance abuse or whatever. But but it's um, I wonder if it may become a common theme. It's like, and it's changed my heart forever. It's changed because the things you just talked about are so integral to our um our basic um it's like i get what you mean and the feeling of home with your family around and love and it's a place that's warm that you can sit and talk and read a book with your children and feel the peace of home and it, it what i think it does is it points us toward heaven because Heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. So maybe Christ wanted me to draw closer to my heavenly home by not having a permanent earthly home. Um, and uh, and so it's like it's not anything that I would wish on anybody. I don't think it's a good idea for people to follow my example like to decide, oh, I think I'm going to try this. It's like, I think you have to be called to it. And it's not a calling that anybody wants. But I have the feeling it's a calling that's coming for many, many, many people. And it's also a calling. What I think too, and I'll, I'll, may I'll finish with this. I think it's a calling to those of us who have hoarded wealth, to those of us who have, um, who have, uh, well, I've talked about this in some of my recent poetry. Um, it's like, we have a choice. It's like, what happens when you own your home and it's owned outright? And then you have the thought, I could buy another home. Most of our thoughts go to, and oh yes, and I could become independently wealthy and have a passive income. I have thought about a passive income a lot in my life. It's like, it's it's wonderful, but I wonder if the passive income is going to, the real passive income that God desires for all of us is it's as a community. As a community, we love our brothers and sisters. We want them to have a home. And there's a choice when you have enough money for a second home. It's like, wow, well, you know, I could go buy another home and I could take somebody who needs a home and have them pay me money for the rest of their life. Or, you know, it's just, it's just a possibility. It's a new idea. It's just a new idea. I'm not saying that everybody has to do this. Somebody, person may feel called to rent out, you know, an extra space that they have. I'm not saying that's wrong, but what about the idea? It's like, wouldn't it be wonderful? It's like, is there anybody that you know who needs a home? Well, maybe not today, but I kind of wonder if the time is coming. And I wonder if God's going to want to give us a chance at a new type of earth, a new type of world. And it's a world where our hearts are drawn out. And we desire everyone to have a home. Yeah, I like that, Jonathan. And there's a, a there's a precedent in that. So Emily actually houses some homeless people. Uh, so do I, um, and so do most people. Um, we say, well, they're not homeless. 
if you don't let them have a home, they are. Well, they're my kids, right? Well, do you know who your kids are? What do you mean? I know who my kids are. They're your brothers and sisters. I mean, we have cultural conventions and religious conventions that assign this wonderful title. I'm mommy, that's daddy. <laughs> but in heaven, we're like, well, in heaven, it was kind of different. We were brothers and sisters and daddy was heavenly father and Jesus was our brother. Um, and so um, the ways of heaven are not the ways of earth. So I, I anticipate the same thing Jonathan's talking about, but I think it only comes when we start moving towards a celestial mind where we realize that we can treat others as though they were like our children. Uh, we become fathers. Uh, and Jonathan talks, uh, and I haven't watched his episodes on patriarchy, but that's kind of the nature of patriarchy. It's kind of like a pretend thing. I will pretend like I'm your father. So I do that with my kids. And I've never told them, I'm pretending to be your father. That'd be weird for them. Like, well, what, what do you mean pretending? Yeah, I'm going to pretend like I'm supposed to take care of you because I'm your father. Well, what's real then, dad? Well, the real thing is I'm married to my sister. What? Yeah, um, her name is Sabra. I call her wife. Well, that's freaky. But actually what I'd be speaking of is somewhat more true than the conventions that we've created as humans. But it, I'm grateful for the conventions and that I'm not marrying my first cousin. You can do that in Utah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that she's probably like my 16th cousin because uh, we're all Mormon heritage. Oh, that's gross. You've married your 16th. It doesn't matter. She's actually my sister. And we had babies. These babies were sent. They were just our brothers and sisters. And so what sounds kind of silly, what I've just talked about, the truth. Actually, if you get drilling down to the truth, um, it's not so silly that Emily knows people who are mothers and they do not take care of their children. Those children become homeless or like unto homelessness. And it's very distressing to see that. You're like, don't you know your role? You're supposed to take care of your brothers and sisters. I mean, your own little teeny brothers and sisters, your kids. And so homelessness, um, it's a concept and you can talk around it. You can think about it. Um, but that's when I, I'm a sociologist and I do that all the time with everything. All right. Looks like Emily's headed out. Uh, bye -bye. Yeah, I got to go. Sorry. Speaking of right. those little homeless, little nope. homeless people. No one problem. of them's yeah, sick we, and needs me. Yeah, we, right. could, yeah we, we can take it up later. Okay. Bye-bye. Any thoughts you have, Jonathan, about what I just said? No, I think it's great. Let's see how things go in the next few episodes. Um, Sure. And as far as, as God wants to take it, you know, we'll talk about that until it kind of runs out and we'll move on to something else. So that sounds perfect. Wonderful. Thanks.